This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Coming up, a look at the life and career of the Queen of Soul. And Zoomer Lawrence Franklin has taken a 360-degree turn in his professional life. At 63, the retired Mississauga urban designer is launching a new career in radio broadcasting with an internship right here at Zoomer Radio. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. If you're a fan of legendary Zoomer actor Robert Redford, be sure to catch his new film, The Old Man and the Gun. Say it was a bank, and instead of that counter up there, that was really a teller's window, and you just walk in, real calm. So you walk right up, look her in the eye, and you say, ma'am, this is a robbery. And you show her the gun, like this. And you say, I wouldn't want you to get hurt, because I like you. The movie, which is based on the true story of Forrest Tucker, a career criminal and prison escape artist, is likely to be the 82-year-old's last acting job. This week, Redford said he's likely to retire from acting after The Old Man and the Gun premieres at the Toronto International Film Festival next month. Zoomer legend Madonna celebrated her 60th birthday this week by holding a fundraiser for orphans and children in Malawi. The Queen of Pop has been a superstar for at least half her life, topping the charts since 1984 with 12 number one hits and eight number one albums. And that was the year she told American Bandstand host Dick Clark what she hoped to accomplish. What are your dreams? What's left? Mm, to rule the world. There you go. Over Ladies the years, she's gone from a dance pop queen to a humanitarian and also has spoken out on gay marriage, women's rights, and education for girls worldwide. Do smartphones speed up blindness? A new study out of the University of Toledo found that continuous exposure to blue light from smartphones and laptops can lead to macular degeneration, a disease often seen in older people that causes significant vision loss. It found that constant exposure to blue light damages the retina, leading to this incurable eye disease. To protect the eyes, experts recommend wearing sunglasses that can filter both UV and blue light, and to avoid looking at digital devices in the dark. It's no secret, as we age, our sleep patterns change, and a new study makes the connection between lack of sleep and feeling lonely and less social. Researchers from the University of California, Berkeley, found sleep-deprived subjects felt less inclined to engage with others and avoided eye contact the way those with social anxiety do. The results offer some interesting implications relating to seniors, new mothers, and jobs that require decreased sleep. The research can be found in Nature Communications. 
Congratulations to 103-year-old Rosemary Powell, honored in Britain as the longest-serving poppy seller. A remarkable 97 years. She was just six years old when she sold poppies for the first ever appeal in 1921, three years after the First World War ended. The great-grandmother from London hung up her collection tin this year and this week was honoured at her nursing home as a member of the Order of the British Empire on behalf of the Queen. I'm Libby Snymer and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. She was the Queen of Soul, the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and arguably the greatest singer of the 20th century. This week, Aretha Franklin passed away at the age of 76. For me, it hit close to home because she died of pancreatic cancer, the deadliest form of cancer, which I have been lucky enough to survive. But Aretha's legacy is her music career, which began with the hymns she sang in her father's church. I sat down with Zoomer Radio music programming consultant Larry McInnes. She was the world's greatest living singer until, you know, until she passed. She, I got a funny story about her. She was the um, daughter of a, her father was a minister. Yes. So uh, she took very seriously uh, that she was uh, started out singing gospel in her father's church with her sisters. In fact, her first hit, Respect, it was labeled as Aretha Franklin, but it could have just as easily been labeled as the Franklin sisters because it was her and her two sisters are the only singers on that record. But before that, she was offered another song, and the song was called Son of a Preacher Man. It became a huge hit for Dusty Springfield. And Aretha turned it down because she thought it was disrespectful to her roots, her religious upbringing. And so she, of course, she had so many great hits, it didn't matter. But for Dusty, uh, Dusty always said, I'm so glad that Aretha felt that way because I got that record. (laughs) Well, that's an interesting story. Now, she had her start in her father's church, but she actually told her father she wanted to be a pop singer and he helped her out. Yes, well, she had a God-given talent, and her father recognized that, obviously. But she started out singing the kinds of songs that we also play on Zoomer, the American Songbook. That's where she started, and Columbia Records, when she first started, they were having her recording things like Frank Sinatra would record. And it wasn't until she got under the tutelage of Ahmed Erdogan and Atlantic Records that she started to record her big soul records, like Respect and Chain of Fools and I Never Loved a Man the Way I Loved You and all those other great records. What were the other milestones in her career? Well, she's won every every award you can possibly win. She's won the Kennedy Center's honors. She's won Grammy after Grammy after Grammy. She had millions of records sold. I think most of all, though, I think it's the respect of other performers and the performers who wanted to record with her. She is, as I said earlier, recognized as, well, Rolling Stone magazine has named her as the greatest singer uh, popular singer of the last 50 years. And that's not just a result of her passing away. That's something that's longstanding. And, and so people have always respected her ability to uh, not just bring so much soul and feeling. She was called Lady Soul for a reason. It wasn't just her hitting notes. It was the passion that she brought to her performances. To Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, period, is a milestone. But to be the first woman when there, there were many others that could have gone in. But I think it was appropriate that she was the first one. She was a diva. I have a funny story about her as well, being in the same restaurant when my husband had his first book launch. And so we were both in the same private room. I don't remember exactly. And we asked her to sign his book and we were set straight about the appropriate way to do that. (laughs) She ultimately did, 
but but it wasn't like you don't just go up and talk to her because you're sitting next to her. Yeah, she was a diva, and she also, I believe, had a combination of stage fright and um, fear of travel. So she canceled a lot of concerts. She had a reputation of booking concerts, and they'd be selling tickets, and all of a sudden, inevitably, Aretha would cancel, and it would always the reason would be she's not feeling well. But I always had the sense that maybe it was a little bit of stage fright and maybe a little bit of fear of flying and other things. And she vehemently denied that she had pancreatic cancer. She was a private person. She was a shy person, even though she was a diva and a big personality. And maybe she felt that by acknowledging that she had the disease, that it would limit her career opportunities. She also had a kind of civil rights presence. Oh, yes, and she was, uh, that was part of her gospel uh, truth that she brought. She sang at the um, funeral of Martin Luther King. She uh, participated in the marches that he participated in. She sang at Barack Obama's inaugural. So she sang for Martin Luther King and Barack Obama, spanning that entire civil rights era. It's ironic that she died on the same day, uh, August 16th, the same day that Elvis Presley died. It's really kind of a profound thing, and I don't know why. It just seems like a weird coincidence that two of the greatest uh, vocalists of all time would would end their lives on the same day. Okay. Anything else, Larry? No, I just that um, I I love her music, and I'm going to be continuing to listen to Zoomer Radio to hear it. Okay. (laughs) So will we. Thank you so much for this. My pleasure. That was Larry McInnes. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Stay tuned for our musical segment to hear Aretha's signature song. And coming up, switching careers to follow your passion. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Zoomer Lawrence Franklin is pursuing his lifelong passion, radio broadcasting. It's a far different career path for the former Mississauga urban planner with a couple of master's degrees on his CV. The 63-year-old arrived in our newsroom as an intern to start a new career path. I'm kind of in my early 60s. I was 27 years at the city of Mississauga doing uh, urban design, actually. And uh, what did that involve? Oh, just about everything. But basically, I was reviewing building plans and development proposals to ensure that they conformed with our design guidelines, kind of looked nice and made nice places to live in the city. When you start the job, you get your pension report right away, and it tells you your retirement date, your earliest retirement date. So mine was 27 years in advance, but I always thought in my mind, well, that will be the year that I go. And they were great years. They went by with the speed of light. It was just incredible how time flew, and every day was different and came to my time. And I looked at all of the young people around me and thought, I've had my chance and these people need to start a family and a home and a job. So why am I staying here? It's probably my time to go and fulfill some of my other dreams. I had this marvelous opportunity to actually have some income without working. And I'd always wanted to go back to school. So I kind of looked at it as rather a scholarship so that I could afford to pay for more studies. What was your last degree before going back to school? You know, I'd done a a master's degree in planning in the United Kingdom at the University of Reading with very famous geographers. And then I did a master's degree in architecture at the University of Calgary. I'd always been interested in radio because I, I love radio. Everyone is ribbing me because I don't look at my television. I only listen to the radio. And I'd always wanted to be in it. And I was listening to a 
international broadcast from Radio Australia. It was a nature program. And the host of that program was interviewed and she had a PhD in biology. And she said, well, I could have gone to university and been a lecturer in biology and I would have been able to reach the people in my classroom. But if I came to the radio, I could tell so many more people about my passion. And I thought, well, if I could come to broadcasting and discuss architecture and urban design and design in general, I could influence and entertain so many more people, maybe tell them something they hadn't really thought about before. So you decided to go back to school for radio? Yes, which I'd always wanted to do, because as I say, I love radio. And the thing about radio, you kind of go into it thinking this is your path and this is what you want to accomplish. But it was just like a day at work when you started. It doesn't necessarily turn out that way. And I'm finding that in broadcasting, there are always these new things that are coming up, um, like coming here to Zoomer, which I hadn't to operate the board and do chase producing. And when I started, I didn't even know what chase producing was. So there are always these opportunities that seem to come up in life. And I kind of take that path just to see what it's about. I gather that you had an experience of ageism. Tell me what happened. Being in school with all of the young kids, that was really an experience because some of them would have nothing to do with me, but the very young teenagers just accepted me as one of their own. So you never know what kind of situation you're going to walk into. And whenever I go to a job interview or something and say, well, I'm the intern, they look at me and Oh, wow, that can't be right. <laughs> and, and at the university, they just everyone just accepts me as a professor. So I could have gotten away with murder, I suppose. It's fantastic to be contemplating a new career, but do you worry about ageism? Sometimes it hurts me. Like, it, it hurts me emotionally. But then when I was in Mississauga, one of the things that I did was work on the Accessibility Advisory Committee, and that was aimed at making the built environment accessible to people with disabilities of, of all sorts. And I guess this is a form of ism, but I used to look at the people I worked with on this committee and all of the challenges that they faced in life and the way that they responded. It was just marvelous and, and such what I considered courage, but they considered just a normal way of doing things, like just a natural life. So the point I'm trying to make is that ageism is one thing and disability is another thing, but everyone's got something. And are you going to dwell on that and let it hold you back? Or are you just going to say, uh, not my problem, someone else's problem, and, and move on with your life. And, and I hope I'm choosing to do the latter. What do you have to say about your experience being an intern? It's been great so far. I learn something new every day. Everyone's walking through the station to be a guest on your program, so I'm running into all of these incredible people. I work with incredible people here at the station, and I've got... My other gig is working at the college station, so I do that. I'm here two days a week, and I'm at the college station for two or three days a week doing news. Uh, covered the election, so I kind of talked for two and a half hours straight on that, which I didn't know that I could do before. And every day is just such a new experience. Okay, on that <laughs> note, Lawrence Franklin, thanks. Thank you very much, Livy. It's a pleasure working with you. That was Lawrence Franklin. Read my profile of Lawrence in the current issue of Zoomer magazine. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, 
the great Aretha Franklin's signature song. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your international arts date book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. Next time you're in London, take a ride to Shoreditch and see the largest wall mural in the UK. It covers an entire building. A bilingual theater piece based on sovereignty and identity is generating headlines at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. New, or Us in English, features both Scottish and Quebecois actors. The festival runs through August 27th. Larry Silver's iconic body of photographs called Muscle Beach, celebrating the Santa Monica, California area where the U.S. physical fitness boom began back in the 50s, is now online through the Silverstein Gallery in New York. And Chile is planning to restrict tourists to 30-day visits to the mighty stone statues on Easter Island. Apparently, an increase in tourism is harming the environment. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. And now to Aretha Franklin's music. She released her first album, Songs of Faith, in 1956. At 18, she recorded the demo that got her signed with Columbia Records, and that was the start of everything for Aretha. She went on to sell more than 75 million records, win 18 Grammy Awards. She had 77 entries on the Billboard Hot 100 and 20 number one singles on the R&B charts. Right now, we'll hear her undisputed signature song. It was released in 1967 on Atlantic Records. Here is Respect. That was the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, with her signature song, Respect. Aretha passed away this week at the age of 76 from advanced pancreatic cancer. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Snymer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.